You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Stringjoy Custom Guitar Strings. I had Scott on the podcast a while back, and I admit, when he contacted me to come on, I was like, eh, strings. I mean, how much are we going to really talk about strings? It's, a, you know, it's a string. But I was wrong. I was very wrong indeed. Uh, there is a lot that we don't think about as guitar players that go into strings. And quite frankly, the sets that we've played for years, the sets we know and love, they're not exactly optimized the way they should be. You'll notice even in standard tuning that some just don't feel right from string to string. Well, Stringjoy takes care of that. Go on their website, they have every gauge you can think of, and you can create a custom set like specifically tailored to your needs. And if you don't know exactly what you need, just do what I do. Email Scott and tell him what kind of guitar you're playing, what style of music, what tuning you're in, and he will get you the exact gauges that you need. And your guitar is going to both sound and feel way better than it has probably ever. So do yourself a favor, go ahead, check out Stringjoy, and then you'll, you'll thank me later. Hello everyone, welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today I have Greg Jerrion from Solid Gold Effects. What's going on, man? How's it going, Blake? Pretty good. Glad to finally get you on the show. This yeah. is a this is a, a long time coming. Um, yeah, been uh, trying to do this for a few weeks now. <laughs> And it's been talked about for like what a year almost. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alex is, <laughs> he keeps bringing it up. Yes. Uh, is this a first podcast you've done? This is my very first pop- podcast. Very nice. So, how you been? We well, usually start with just a how you been. What have you been up to? Anything interesting? Uh, what haven't we been up to? Uh. You know, anything that you can sums it up you know? <laughs> what um, haven't we been up to yeah no it's been uh it's been a busy uh busy stretch so we got building stuff uh mm-hmm. building all kinds of stuff building all kinds of new stuff Ooh, um, new stuff trying new stuff playing with old like- stuff <laughs> uh, so yeah we've been been keeping busy um so as you know, we did the obviously you know we did the pedal for you, but the model one. Uh, yes, you know, so a that was, marvelous job on that. Also, thank you. That was fantastic. <laughs> you did a marvelous job as well. Oh, thank you. Um, I did a really good job of saying, Greg, I like this. Do this to it. <laughs> hey, listen, it was a great idea. I love the artwork. I love the way everything came together. Um, and it was a fun project to work on and build. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was a blast. Sweet. Um, so yeah, that's uh, you know been playing around a couple of different types of pedals, uh, dabbling with you know doing a couple of amp restorations, uh, designing an amp. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, can yeah. you talk about that a little bit, or is it still kind of on the hush hush? Well, we're we're kind of entering the the final stretch uh, in terms of now getting it ready for. Uh, you know the the way everything is supposed to be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the first round prototype was, I mean, I built, uh, I built a number of amps over the years, um, you know, here and there, nothing, nothing on like a commercial level just for, for right. locals. Um, so decided that I finally wanted to do something where it just blends everything that I want, um, in a package that I like, uh, mm-hmm. and keep it simple, you know, great pedal platform, but at the same time, you know, when people usually say an amp is a pedal platform, the amp lacks character and color. Whereas this right. one is a colorful amp that is a fantastic pedal path, uh, platform. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So, so yeah, it's can a small we get, can we get any, Oh, go, there you go. You're, you're going yeah. where I was uh, headed. So I'll let yeah. you go. Yeah. It, it's a small 112 combo. Really, really simple. Uh, two channel uh, where one is volume tone. The other one is just a straight up volume with no uh, tone stack. Mm-hmm. Um, dual 6v6. Um, it's, I love it. I love it. So I'm so really happy about it. About 20 watts or so? Uh, a little less than that. I'd say about 15 watts. Okay, sweet. Well, that's, that's really exciting. I can't wait to see that. That's that's super awesome. Uh, yeah. That'll be it's really cool. It's great. I mean, the visual is fantastic. Uh, we got a couple of different colors uh, for the, uh, the the cabs and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, in terms of the sound, really took my time dialing it in and just obsessing over you know speaker selection, a couple of different component values back and forth until everything dialed in. Um, at the same time, I'm playing it for a while so the speaker breaks in and you know get the the full sound of it. Right. What did you end up settling on for a speaker? Uh, I love the Eminent stuff. I'm a huge fan of the Eminent stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're actually going with the Eminence Texas Heat, which oh, there is you go. Uh, super overpowered for the amp, but again, great for for a pedal platform because you don't have uh, you know spe- uh, to, uh, an abundance of speaker coloration or cone cry or you know distortion from the speaker. I tend to like that better um, across the board. I've not found. In in playing, I, f- I find when the speaker starts distorting, for myself personally, it feels kind of weird. Um, yeah. I know some guys like that sound, but to me it just feels strange, dynamically. It's the, I don't know. It's not my jam. I, I don't like it when that happens. It, 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 things become just a little bit more unpredictable, I find. Um, mm-hmm. And you start to lose some of the detail. It gets a little fuzzy. Again, this uh, you know, it all depends on the type of speaker and the type of amp and all that stuff. But generally, I find uh, I like overpowered speakers for the amps that I'm running. So if I'm running a 20-watt amp, I want a 50-watt speaker at least in there. Uh, and yeah. again, it also depends on the type of speaker. Um, you know, uh, I found that I'm not a huge fan of greenbacks. I don't like that high-end sizzle, that mm-hmm. abundance of presence that's there. Um, so yeah, no, it was a it, it was a fun exercise to actually sit down and you know obsess over an amp uh, and design an amp, um, and just you know kind of taking a little bit from here, a little bit from there, blending the sounds that I like, the styles of amps that I like. Um, so we came out with uh, with a really nice package. Sweet. Do you did you find that approaching amp design was any different than how you would approach a pedal, or is it kind of similar for you? Um, it's, it, it's similar cause it's all about finding the right balance, uh, of the sound that I'm looking for the, the, and again, it, it's very much dialing in the feel, uh, of the amp, you know, getting the right amount of compression, uh, without making the amp sound overly squishy or overly stiff, um, getting the right balance of low. So it's not too boomy, getting the right balance of high so that it's present, but not piercing. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it was 
closest thing would be like dialing in the zeta you mm-hmm. know uh so it's just getting all the frequencies right and then the fun starts when you start plugging in on a pedal board and seeing how it reacts with stuff um or when people come by the shop and you know guy comes in on his lunch break just to uh, to try it out on a whim and he's there for 45 minutes late going back to work um <laughs> you know so uh no it's been a it's been a great experience it's been a great experience uh Very it was cool. a lot of fun to do and uh so now going into the production aspect of it uh will be a will be another experience see how that sets up see how right. it's different from amps uh from uh, pedals Aren't you planning on doing everything in house like you do currently, or you know most things? Um, yeah, well, uh, in, in terms of wiring up the the chassis, circuit boards, uh, sourcing yeah. all the parts, all that stuff. Yeah, we're doing that in house. In terms of the cab, uh, we don't have a wood shop set up, and I'm I definitely am not. Uh, my talents don't lie with wood, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll stay. I away can from relate. That. Yeah, I don't have the patience to work with wood. Um, so apart from that, yeah, you know, apart from sourcing the uh, the cab uh, and getting the chassis made, uh, everything else is pretty much done in house. Really cool. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Canadian made hand Hammond transformers and you know a whole bunch of other fun uh, fun stuff in there. Right, right. Well, let's take a, a few steps back. We kind of talked about what's yeah. new. Let's talk about how you got started playing guitar and how that led into you starting Solid Gold Effects. Uh, how I started playing guitar, my dad came home one day with a small three-quarter student size area classical. Nice. Um, and that was pretty much where it started. Uh, I was 10 years old. Um, so anyways, when I was younger, my, my dad, uh, plays the bass, um, on and off. Uh, my uncles play the guitar. So when I was a kid, they used to get together and jam and, you know, I remember from then my uncle used to have a Silverface Fiberlux, and Ooh. even as a kid, you know, I, I distinctly remember that amp with the shiny grill cloth and you know the the witch hat knobs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always something that was interesting for uh, in, interesting to me. Um, you know, so ten years old, I started playing the guitar. I still remember my first electric guitar. I got it for Christmas. It was an El Degas EDG thirteen plywood. Chinese made or Japanese made, whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, with a crate GX 15 amp. Yes. Which sounded <laughs> awful. <laughs> you know? So many of us, that's our yeah. first. Yeah. That's so good. Was and it, is that the crate that's in a crate, like a literal crate? Kind of looks like it. It's like uh, a tiny little 15 watt solid state amp with a, with, with, with a little speaker, uh, mm-hmm. and a terrible sounding distortion circuit. Um, <laughs> But man, oh man, and, and, and I remember my first, you know, pedal unit was a DoD FX7, the multi-effects unit, where you can program all kinds of stuff. Well, yeah, uh, that way you got them all. What more exactly, do you need? exactly, <laughs> exactly. You got so many options, not a single one of them sounds good. But if I can grab that setup again, just for just just for the hell of it, I, I probably will buy it all again. Oh, yeah. Nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. How many? Yeah, like, so I don't that, know. that's that's kind of how I got started. Um, nice. And um, yeah, you know the band at the time that I was that that, that really drove me was Guns N' Roses. So I was a huge Slash fan. Um, and you know, in the beginning, kind of on and off, nothing too serious. And then by the time I got to high school, then I met up with some people uh, who 
uh, we're into guitars and, you know, just feeding off of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. It grew and grew and grew. And I was, I mean, I was always, I, I'm, I'm a gearhead. So no matter what I get into, it's, it's like, whether it's cars, whether it's guitars, whatever it is, it's all about, you know, how can the gear be better? What, what can I obsess over? Um, and, you know, even when I was younger, it was the same thing, you know, pedals, you know, fuzz faces, this and that. Um, and so, you know, getting into a pedal company is just the natural progression of everything. Right. So what year, I mean, you started tinkering on pedals, like on a DIY level, I'm assuming, and then just kind of spinning out from there. Well, I basically started because I wanted a fuzz face or I, I bought the Dunlop fuzz face and it didn't sound really good. Uh, and, um, you know, I wanted an original fuzz face. It was about a thousand bucks at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's really where it started from. Um, uh, and I've always wanted to build stuff. I always loved the idea of building stuff. Um, so, you know, the, the, the first one was a fuzz face. And then obviously the second one was a range master, you know, the natural progression of how you get into building pedals. Um, and that's that's kind of where it started uh and then mods you know i i went into a music store and i bought uh, you know there was this vintage gen wah that was sitting there so i brought it home and then quickly learned about true bypass all that stuff so start doing that on all the pedals mm-hmm. and then got a vintage big muff again true bypass fix up all the wiring change the jacks make uh make, make the pedal reliable um and then the whole mod scene that was you know 2004 2005 2006 I uh, started doing mods on all kinds of boss pedals, DOD pedals, uh, to the point where, you know, uh, I was studying finance in university, working at a body shop, fixing cars. And then at home, I had pedals coming and going for mods and quickly was making more money on pedals than I was working at the body shop and didn't really like the idea of working as a teller in the bank or, you know, going into finance and not constantly be thinking about guitars. Um, so at some point just made the plunge and decided, you know, Solid Gold FX was going to be full-time and, uh, just do it. And so you, you, you started, as far as income source, it was mostly mods at the time. Yeah. When I mean, you, when I, you guys started. Yeah. Uh, it was mods and then it progressed into, you know, uh, some pedal builds and then more into pedal builds. Again, it, it kind of shifted with the market, um, because at some point everybody wanted to mod stuff. It wasn't necessarily, you know, and boutique pedals were uh, two or three times the prices that they are today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was some 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 pretty heavy, expensive stuff um, that people were were buying before. You know, uh, markets kind of went wacky. Um. um oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Um. What was the first official solid gold pedal that wasn't a mod that was one of your own? Uh, designs uh, it was it was a germanium booster um it was a germanium booster to cop the uh the black sabbath type of thing into a marshall uh um, gotcha you know uh so yeah it was called the boost <laughs> it was oh a very creative name yes that did a lot of probably a lot of time in market research trying to figure that yeah. one out right it was the boost it was i still have it Blue powder coat enclosure. My sister did the lettering on it because my handwriting is terrible. She did it with a silver Sharpie. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've come a long way since then. I used to cook the uh, circuit boards in the kitchen. Oh, wow. Did the etching yeah. and stuff? Yeah, did the etching, drilling. Yeah. Nice. 
And so you started with the booster and then kind of like where, I mean, that seems like a logical choice, but you know, when do you say there was, I'm trying to think of when I first started hearing about you and it was probably around 2009, but obviously, or 10, somewhere in there, but obviously you've been around for longer than that. Yeah, we started in 2006. And again, 2006 was really uh, lower key, just, you know, getting stuff rolling, learning the processes and how to set things up and all that stuff. I mean, there's been a, there's been a good learning curve. Uh, mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, my whole thing was build it steady, build it slowly uh, and just, you know, do what you, you whatever is in uh, your reach. Don't try to, 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 to go too far out and, you know, it just gets discouraging or screw something up royally that you can't recover from. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, the whole thing was the 2006 to 2008 was kind of like the first phase. And then 2008, when things started, you know, the, the markets crashed and all that stuff. Um, took that time to, to kind of start developing things in a more professional manner, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, so kind of looked over the, the, the product line changed uh to the uh, a style of uh, a visual that's closer to what we have today uh with the silk screen stuff and like proper graphics and all that stuff um and then um when did we switch to all the colorful cases that was what i was wondering i was like there there's definitely a turning point between yeah. the the sharpie and what you're doing now well the, the switching from the sharpie was was around 2008 2009 uh, 2008 i would say mm-hmm. um and like the sharpie didn't last very long after that we went to uh to uh to some silk screen stuff and again the artwork was uh uh not on par with anything that we're doing today uh, right and then my sister started designing the artwork for me uh, at which point petals were visually appealing. All the cases were black and we had different colored uh, artwork on it. So we had like the, the Formula 69, which was uh, a Santex black enclosure with, uh, what was it, a blue silkscreen print on it. Uh, Superdrive was a black enclosure with an orange print on it. Um, so yeah, I think that one was around 2008, 2009. And then again in 2011, I think 2011 or 2012, no, it must be after that. You know, sometime around there, let's say circa 2012, mm-hmm. uh, we started getting into the the more colorful cases. Um, and over the last two years, we've really upped the ante with uh, the different uh, offerings in terms of custom colors, uh, different tunings, and um, just really upped the ante with the uh, the fit and finish uh, of all the enclosures. Yeah, they look they look really really nice. Uh, I've I've had the pleasure of playing through almost everything in the current line. Uh, and that's one thing that's very consistent is that they're consistently extremely pretty <laughs> inside yeah, well, and out. You know, that, that, that's it because I, I obsess over the details maybe a little too much. Um, mm-hmm. So there's whenever we get a, a shipment of cases in, there's a whole bunch of them that, uh, you know, we'll either set aside as B-stock or, or simply send back to be stripped and refinished um right you know so it's where uh, quality is is extremely important quality is extremely important because i want to make sure that what you know if it has our name on it it, it kind of lives up to a certain standard um, the gold and, standard maybe 
Sure, we can call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something a little less cliche. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Just go on solid gold. Okay, well, all right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Bad joke. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's good. The gold standard. So, yeah, we want to make sure that it lives up to the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, I want to make sure whatever leaves the shop is something that we can all be proud of. Um, right. That's the most important thing. And uh, so when you're kind of going through and you, you talked about, you know, building slow and, and kind of doing things that you basically, uh, you know, not reaching too far. Um, but at the same time, then you have things like the Apollo 2. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that's way after. That's that's way after. That's, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean that that pedal's uh, well. I always cite it as the pedal that made me realize that I actually do like phasers because I didn't think I did. Um, and Alex was like, "Oh, you gotta you gotta try this." I'm like, "I don't like phasers." He's like, "Just play this pedal." I'm like, "Okay." And I took it home and I played with it for a long time. I really, really like that thing. Um, so, in kind of where I was going with that is, what does the process look like for you guys? Like, how do you go from you know, parts and breadboarding to final product and, or like conceptualizing everything. Like just how does that, what's that process uh, cons- look like? I mean, conceptualizing can, can take a, a number of different, um, can come from a number, number of different directions. Uh, it can either be a part that we find that's cool. That sounds cool. That inspires a certain circuit. Um, could be an idea that we had that can sound cool. It could be like an existing product that we're just building on and developing or, you know, like, how can we push it further and do the, the version two? Uh, or it can be something completely different for personal, um, you know, personal reasons, for, for personal desire. Just because um, you want to build it. Just because you want to build it, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, had an idea, talk, call up Alex. Uh, Alex is, you know, marketing director, uh, for anybody who doesn't, who's listening. Um, and we'll just shoot an idea back and forth. Um until it builds and then we see where we can schedule it and start working on it and, and start building on it. Um, or it could also be something like a, you know, a customer request. Somebody sends an email with a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, what was one and, that was uh, spawned out of that? Um, something I know, I'm working on, on now, so I kind of don't really want to... Uh, uh, I'm still working oh. out the details, so I can't really get into it. You don't um, let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. Let's see, but uh, short bat the the short bat toggles were a great idea, and that was from an email. Hey, how cool would it be if you had short bats? Done. Let's order them. <laughs> there you go. Boom. Done. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting that you talked about uh, brainstorming with Alex, because that's essentially how the pedal you did for me came to, came to be was I was brainstorming with Alex. So maybe Absolutely. that's a, that it's, seems it's to be just a, sending ideas back and forth. I mean, it just works itself out. Yeah. Cause we were originally talking about like when he first, you know, spun the idea to me, I started thinking about like something crazy. Uh, and, and then I started thinking to myself, well, no, I'm kind of known as a fuzz lover, which is very, very true. It should probably be a fuzz. And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, I, I know where to go with this, you know, <laughs> you know, this, it just makes sense. Cause, um, I, you know, as you know, I had the V1 agent 13 and yep. was just simply like here, Alex, I really like this pedal, but here's what I would do differently. And, uh, we started kind of 
batting it back and forth. And so I imagine doing that process over and over again, you would lead some pretty cool results, you know? Absolutely. 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 So yeah, we definitely, you know, come up with ideas and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about something for, you know, an hour, two hours, and then come back to it the next day and start talking about it again and come up with other ideas and how we can do things differently. Uh, he'll spit something out. I'll start to visualize how we can set it up and, you know, um, solid process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's really, uh, it's really interesting. Um, so when you set out to do things like, well, like the Imperial, for example, which is your take on the classic muff circuit, your, everything you do is if you do it, if it's, if it's based on something else, it always has an extra something to it. Uh, and has that always been that way? Or is that just a development, you know, trying to stand out from, a sea of clones, um, basically. Well, the idea is, I, I love vintage stuff. I love vintage gear. I collect vintage gear. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I love big muffs for what they are, uh, but they have a lot of shortcomings. So why why make a pedal that will just be a clone uh, in a sea of other pedals that are doing the exact same thing? You know, so if somebody's looking for a Ramset big muff or a Civil War big muff, that's cool. Uh, there's a bunch of people making them. They're making great pedals. Um, you know, when we got into to, to the Imperial, for instance, it was, you know, it's do we really want to jump on that bandwagon? Well, not really, but at the same time, there's a pedal. That, see, that, that's a pedal that was built for personal, you know, uh, out of personal desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would I do differently? Cut down the, uh, the noise factor. How would it work with a JFET input? What could we do to make the tone stack a little bit more usable? Cut down the noise floor. Um, and how would BC-183 sound in there? Great. And they bump up the mids. So the package kind of came together, sounded good, uh, reduced the noise floor. So it kind of hit on a, a number of criteria that we have. Uh, and then it just comes down to uh, putting the, uh, you know, uh, the colors on the case, figuring out the knobs, the layout, all that stuff, um, and getting it out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the BC-183 uh, specifically, not to get too nerdy on the general guitar player right now, but we, we've got to nerd out a little bit. That seems to come up in a lot of your fuzz designs. Um, what is it, and it's what's in mine, for instance, what... Yep. Is it about that chip? Because it's not as commonly used. I would not, as far as I know, it's not as commonly used as some others. It's uh, it's a discrete transistor, uh, silicon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the gain range on it. It's not low gain. It's not high gain. Um, I like the the mid range characteristic that it presents, um, and it, it it seems to work well uh, in the circuits that it goes in. Um, mm-hmm. And again, you know, we won't use it just for the sake of using it, but um, you can definitely hear the difference between the BC-108 and the BC-183 and our F6 was 9 since we built both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, you know, in certain circuits, it just gives it that extra little bit of oomph that might be missing. So, you know, like in the Imperial, uh, it just gives it that extra little bit of mid-range character uh, in a pedal that's otherwise known to be scooped. Uh, or right. flatten the mids. Uh, and same thing, I mean, just comparing, let's say, the Model 1 that we did with the Asian 13 that you have. You know, mm-hmm. you can, it, it's a similar style of circuit since that's kind of where we started. Um, and you can hear, uh, I mean, there's other mods in the, uh, there's other changes that we made on the Model 1 uh, that beefs it up. 
Uh, but part of that is the BC-183. Yeah. Yeah. It's one, um, there was somebody on the gear page that was commenting about it. They're like, this uh, seems similar to the Agent 13, you know, in a good way. And uh, I, I don't know if it was you or Alex that was kind of commenting and they're like, oh, yeah, and this is the changes we made and blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of, since I only have a base level knowledge of things, um, I just had to kind of poke my face in there and be like, well... The thing is, is like I never, ever considered the Agent 13 to be a, a thin-sounding pedal uh, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. But when you compare them side by side, all of a sudden it, it seems that way, um, yeah. which is super interesting. Uh, and uh, it just, uh, yeah, it was exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> so yeah. I guess a, that's where I'm going like with that. It's a fun pedal. <clears throat> um. Let's see here. Uh, I kind of want to talk about the the Zeta a little bit because um, that's one of my go tos also. And how do you, without maybe giving away too many secrets, how do you get it a pedal to feel correctly like that? That just has, um, you know, it may sound similar to other you know circuits like that, but it feels different. Like what what kind of steps do you have to take to make something kind of sag and compress that way? Or is it just you You just tweak the circuit until you like what you're feeling? Well, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the, the, the FET preamp that's set up in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and again, just like the, the BC-183, we use FETs uh, in a lot of places. Um, and yeah, it's, it's basically the interaction between uh, the FET, the IC stage, and uh, the clipping stage. Um, and just getting it, you know, getting everything dialed in correctly so that not, you know, we're not running too much gain out of the preamp. We're not running too much gain in the IC stage uh, and we're not clipping too heavily with the diodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, it just comes back to, 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 to balancing things out and balancing out the um, the um, uh, different stages gotcha. and, and, and the frequencies. So yeah. not to make anything too bass heavy, but not to neuter the lows. Um, just make something that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, another another kind of mm, I don't want to say feature, or I should just be like a running theme with your pedals are there are some of the quietest that I have. Um, uh, is, again, is there obsession. like <laughs> that's some... personal obsession that noise drives me nuts. Uh, rattles drive me nuts. Uh, hissing drives me nuts it's uh, it's really annoying it seriously it's uh yeah like i'll be playing something and i'll just stop because something's rattling and i have I have to chase it <laughs> chase um, chase the rat like in a, in a speaker cab or or something you know, even or in the room something on, in the room you know something's on a shelf that's rattling what is it i gotta find it it's uh <laughs> it, it's really annoying i see that okay that characteristic so translates into the noise gotcha <laughs> yeah yeah, so, uh, you know, when it comes to noise, um, if ever we're using a component that can be noisy, uh, that component is auditioned uh, prior to actually going into a pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we do that with uh, our reverb modules, we do that with our delay chips, uh, sometimes we do that with transistors, um, especially if we're using any type of germanium. Uh, I mean, that thing is tested like 15 times over before we actually build it. Oh, wow. 
So, it, like, you're literally just plugging in it. Nope, that one's no good. Plug another one in. Well, nope, what, that one's uh, no good. You know, the, the germanium stuff is fun. Uh, recently, I found a, a nice stash of germanium uh, transistors that uh, I'm starting to test and play with. Uh, mm-hmm. I, but, you know, some of the ones that I've had in the past, you know, you'll try it one day, it sounds great. Try it the next day, it doesn't. Uh, right. So, just trying to, uh, to sort through it, you know, measure the gain, measure the leakage. Uh, and see what's once that's done you know that's the first sort and then plug it into a pedal before soldering anything hear it bias it hear it again um and then kind of sort them out again from there uh which is why we don't do much with germanium in terms of a standard product uh but definitely for custom stuff uh, um this batch that i found i'm having a lot of fun with it nice is there is there a way i've heard this said before and i don't know if it's actually true or if it's mumbo jumbo uh internet talk but i've heard of guys because germanium is kind of known to be finicky especially with like temperature changes and things is there a way i I seen a claim from a manufacturer one time that said they temperature protected their germanium and i don't know how that would work no really is that is that nonsense or is that something okay yeah you can't i mean it'll it, it it's you can actually see it as you're you know if you're holding the transistor and you have it plugged into a tester you can see the numbers change with you your, know, body your body heat yep okay that's i sounded you know I, I have a pretty you know semi-decent uh uh lie detector i think when it comes to like marketing stuff like that and i was like how do you temperature protect? It's going to change. I mean, you've got an ice cube in there. Like, well, <laughs> like I mean, what you, is you that? can definitely do some circuitry that will kind of compensate for, uh, for shifts. Okay. Uh, That's yeah, probably no what they what, mean. Like it's the nature of the transistor. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks for the information. Yeah. I was curious about that. And then yeah. there again, I don't know anything. So <clears throat> interesting. So here, let's uh, let's go here. Do you have a like a favorite pedal to build in your line or in general? Is there a, is there a personal Greg favorite to build, like in terms of actually like soldering and manufacturing, or because I love the pedal and I just want to build it? How about both? Uh, I guess your favorite to manufacture would probably be whatever whichever one goes together the fastest. <laughs> Um, yes and no, there are somewhere it's just, you know, you assemble it and it's so pretty inside. Uh, I mean, the Apollo definitely is pretty, but it's not a favorite to build. Oh, it's um, beautiful inside. I love oh the inside God. of the Apollo. That, yeah, that takes, that takes some time. Um, I don't know, I guess this is sorry on both accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. it's fun to build and it's fun to play once it's built. This is sorry is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's- uh, when it's time to test a batch of those, that's, that's, that's heaven. That's a good day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it yeah, it it's like uh it's so brassy. Like like I could see, you know, back in the day, I, I know you know this, but um some people might not. Some of the fuzz pedals from back in the day were made to ironically imitate horns. Yeah. Um which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. Um and I never really understood that uh until playing this is sorry, and some a few others like it. I was like, oh, okay, I I can get where <laughs> where their thought was that this might sort of sound like yeah. a horn, because um, for a long time I thought that was the silliest thing I'd ever heard. Uh, a fuzz pedal sounding like a trumpet? What are you talking about? Yeah, but I get it now. <clears throat> yeah, that's a uh, that's a fun pedal, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think brassy is the only way to to describe that. It's brassy and nasty. Yeah, it, that's yeah. It's like the world's dirtiest trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So, what kind of uh, what kind of music do you normally play? You mentioned Guns N' Roses before. Do you, do you play in bands currently, or or what's uh, what's your uh, musical life I these days? I do not play in bands currently, um, simply because my time is is kind of devoted to Solid Gold FX. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I don't want to be is that guy, you know, in the band who never shows up. <laughs> right. Um, so no, at this point, I'm more uh, I'm more a gearhead collector obsessor, uh, and pretty much play whenever I can, mm-hmm. um, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the music that I like and the music I listen to, I mean, it's it, it's it's a pretty wide range. Um, you know, anything from jazz to classic rock, rock, heavy metal, uh, blues, uh, reggae. Um, so, I mean, I guess my, the, like I said, the band that got me really into, into, into playing the guitar was Guns N' Roses. Uh, and then as I developed in high school, it was, it came to down to Hendrix, um, you know, Eric Clapton, Cream Era, Mm -hmm. uh, Black Sabbath is, is a huge favorite of mine. Um, and now as I'm, as, as I'm, you know, diving more into jazz and stuff like that, I'm absolutely in love with, uh, Wes Montgomery. Oh, yes. Good call. I can just listen to that for hours. Is that that seems like it would be good uh good pedal assembling music, West yes, Montgomery. Yes, I think. it is. And we do have, you know, we have some vinyl at work, uh, which we put on for those mellower pedal assembly days. <laughs> um for the crazier ones we got Megadeth. So it's it's a nice, you know, range. <laughs> What separates the crazy from the mellow? Is it just the amount of work you got to get done? Uh, just the mood that morning. Uh, you know, whether we want to kind of have a mellower work environment or whether or not we want to put, you know, kill them all or something on the record player. Mm-hmm. How many, uh, you, you say we, I know you and Alex, but uh, how many employees do you have currently? Uh, it's Alex works remotely. So he's in your neck of the woods. Uh, yep. and in Montreal, I have, uh, Tyler who is, uh, is my lead assembler at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. and I have uh, my bookkeeper. Very nice. Yeah. That's important. It seems like, yes. uh, anybody who's like a creative type, it's like really nice to have a dedicated bookkeeper. <laughs> you know what? Even if I wanted to do the books, I, I mean, there's so much I can do in a day. Um, mm-hmm. and it's nice to have somebody who makes me have to organize stuff uh, right <laughs> otherwise i mean there's like a stack of papers on my desk and you give them a point on one side and then on the other side you got all the components whatever i'm prototyping piled up uh it's good managed chaos yes i i hear you on that <clears throat> um let's see there was another question i had i was gonna ask you if you were playing in a band what your current rig looked like but i guess that question doesn't really count unless you do have a semi-solid setup right now um yeah i mean the solid setup would be a pedal board loaded with uh our pedals our mm-hmm. amp i mean it's it's kind of a loaded question so <laughs> <laughs> you don't play other people's pedals come on <laughs> no so i mean um like right now i'm looking down at my pedal board 
So we got a uh, that old Genoa from way back when, Red Faisal from the 70s. Nice. Uh, TC Electronic Polytune going into a Funk Light, a Zeta, a Beta, Sasori, Rosie, Imperial, the Buffer, <laughs> the Apollo, the Electroman, the Surfrider, the Sutterlight. So that's the current setup. <laughs> it is. It's it's all it's all you all the time. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> you know. So you have a preference. You have a you have a thing. It sounds like. Uh, um, it's my brand. Are there any other builders that you that you kind of look at as inspirations or? Just you kind of, you dig what they have going on or you kind of head down? I mean, there's a lot of people uh, in this industry that are doing some some pretty amazing stuff, uh, which we have a lot of respect for, which I have a lot of respect for. Um, you know, guys uh, here, Empress, uh, Dr. Scientist, oh, yeah. Diamond, they, they've been doing it for the longest time. I mean, I remember at some point, somebody way back when, when I was first getting started, gave me a, a diamond pedal and just the, the fit and finish of the pedal just blew me away. Mm-hmm. you know um so yeah, definitely i mean we have uh, our peers that are that are doing some some pretty incredible stuff um some of the chase bliss stuff is just nuts oh man it's it's like <laughs> this was made by humans <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's not just the you know the programming and controller aspect but getting all of that to fit in a tiny little case incredible yeah, and then not having you know other issues, <laughs> yeah. it actually works as yeah. as it's supposed to. It's just like Joel, yeah, this is this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then if you ever meet that guy, uh, he's one of the nicest human beings too. So uh, I highly recommend hitting him up if you ever get a chance. He's, he's a good dude. Um, the Empress Reverb. Uh, since you brought that company up, they they just seem to be crushing it with that thing i just watched a a knobs demo with it there's like and i played it briefly at nam but at nam it's like yeah you, you can't, can't hear anything, anything at nam you yeah you can't tell i was like this yeah. looks cool uh but i can't hear anything yeah <laughs> so um but yeah the the they just seem to be crushing it with that reverb yeah it's got a Plus beer, it has setting, beer mode exactly you know? <laughs> do you have any um any plans to like brand that seems to be like the way the industry's going is into these like crazy like way in-depth pedals do you have any plans to like explore that neck of the woods i mean it seems like the I, apollo is a tippy toe into that stuff. I, I think that's as far as i'm willing to go um mm-hmm. because it's for me i i like things where it can do cool stuff um but i like everything laid out in front i like it easy easy to dial in uh, at some point, once it gets too many knobs, it just becomes a little daunting. Uh, not mm. necessarily daunting, but you can get lost in it. Uh, you can easily get lost in it. Uh, right. So it's kind of, again, finding that balance of, uh, you know, uh, modern and vintage, let's say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think we'll be going into like stuff with submodes and hidden features and added presets and stuff like that. I don't think that's right. our gem. Right. So, you do have some stuff in the pipeline, though. Uh, is there anything coming out soon? Keeping in mind, this episode's not going to drop for another few weeks. Uh, that you can talk about, like more in depth. Um, we got a, the, some mini boosters that we're doing. So it was a project that uh, I we just cooked up on a whim, mm-hmm. um, which came together really nicely. Um, 
And the whole idea was to do small, uh, you know, the little uh, case size, like our buffer uh, mm -hmm. boosters, one knob boosters, where basically build it like one of our full size pedals, except smaller, and use it to highlight our favorite components. So they're literally labeled BC108 or BC183 or JFET. And the whole idea is to highlight the different transistors that we like working with. Um, so, you know, we have the BC-183, which has that low mid grunt. We have the BC-108, which is a little bit tighter. Uh, the JFET, which is cleaner and more, um, you know, for lack of a better term, hi-fi. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have a BC-549, which is a high gain, low noise transistor that I like working with. And uh, we decided to make that a dirty booster. So it's um, um, a fun little set. Uh, and the cool thing oh, is you can position them in different positions. Uh, you can put them in different positions on your board depending on where you want to add color or where you want to add volume or sustain. Uh, or you can string them together and have a wicked overdrive. That, that was my next question. Are these going to be like as a bundle pack uh, for exp experimenting or are they individual? Because that would be pretty cool to have like a all of them. <laughs> Got to catch them all. Oh, type that, of that's exactly it. I mean, you can mix and match whatever you want depending on what flavor you want. Um and you can kind of just use it as a building block. And, and depending on what order you put them in, you know, put the BC549, uh, the, the dirty booster in front of another booster or, you know, vice versa. Uh, mm -hmm. Get different uh, interactions, different colors. Or in the effects loop of the Electro Man. Or, yeah, yes, I'm already yes. getting weird ideas. That would actually be fun. The 549 in the, uh, in the Electro Man. Get some dirty mm -hmm. delays going on. Oh, yeah. There's, I... I can't tell you. Uh, the Electro Man was, I, th I think that might have been like the second pedal I got from you. Uh, that thing is just a mainstay. I just love that delay so much. And I don't think it gets enough love. So everyone listening right now can go check out the Electro Man. It's been doing things that that other people are claiming are new for a long time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank I love you. that thing. Um yeah, it's been, uh, uh, we've had that uh, for a while and it's it's been kind of like one of our staples. Uh, oddly enough, that's probably the pedal that really put us on the map uh, way back when, when uh, when PGS did their uh, their demo of it. Um, mm -hmm. Back when it was like the green enclosure, I think? Uh, no, earlier than that. Black enclosure oh. with a green print. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, the, the Electro Man's awesome. I, I've kind of constantly find new sounds with it by using the effects loop people have heard me kind of go on and on about uh delay pedals with effects loops and uh, that's the one that started started the craze for me so I'm, I'm finding all kinds of interesting sounds to stick on delay trails and so thank you for thinking of that that's a great feature you're welcome uh <laughs> stick an octaver in there with a fuzz yep, yep. yeah oh yeah <laughs> yes uh I've actually put the uh, Formula 76 in there, too. That gets nuts. Yeah. Um, and a whammy. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. noise floor, at that point, you know, there are no guarantees on the noise floor, but <laughs> yeah, you can have some fun with it. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. So, you mentioned that you collect vintage gear. Are there any, like, crown jewels in the collection right now? Um, crown jewels, uh, yeah. Um, I would have my, my jazz master. Uh, I have a 63 jazz master. Oh man. Um, mm. so for the fender stuff, crown jewels will be the 63 jazz master. I have a 72 telly that I love. 
Um, I have a 1970 Mustang bass uh, with the competition stripes. Really fun bass to play. Um, and way back in the day, I had picked up a 72 Jazz uh, in a pawn shop. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, I, I love that bass. Um, on the Gibson side of things, um, I have a, a 65 ES335. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, it's a great, uh, great guitar. And uh, what's nice about the 65, it's kind of a transition year. Uh, so it has a slightly narrower nut, but it's got a nice full neck. Um, so it's it, it's a lot of fun to play. It's not like the uh, the later 60s stuff where uh, it kind of has the pencil thin necks and it's it's a little bit hard to uh, to dig in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's the 335. The pickups in that guitar sound absolutely phenomenal. Uh, really, really good condition as well with just the right amount of uh, checking. Um, what color? Sunburst. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason I, I, I have a lot of Sunburst guitars. Um can't find the cool colors. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sunburst too. I, I, I love Sunburst. Sunburst. Just at some point, you know, you want something that's blue. Um I yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just looking at my guitars right now. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Sunburst guitars. You know, so <laughs> Um, yeah, so 65, 335, the recent, the most recent one that I picked up is a 62, uh, 61 or 62, uh, ES330, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. I'm in love with that guitar. P90s, um, right? Yeah. P90s, yep. uh, full hollow, oh, uh, man. thin line. Um, it's a great playing guitar. Uh, and the, the neck profile on that, it's got that early 60s slim taper on it, uh, which just feels amazing. Uh, guitar's been broken in nicely. Uh, had to clean about, you know, 40, 50 years of nicotine out of the guitar. Um, <laughs> it still smells a little bit, but uh, it plays and sounds amazing. Um, and I have a 55 uh, Gibson ES-175. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah, which again picked up. Um, I mean, with the original lifting case and everything, I couldn't refuse it. Um, so that's that's kind of the uh, the stuff that I'm, you know, the the higher end stuff that I have. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of amps, I have a uh, I have a sixty eight plexi, uh, fifty watt plexi, with, on, sitting on top of an eight ten cab. Um, I have a sixty nine metal face JMP fifty. Uh, Marshall, I got a couple of old Ampegs, um, a Super Reverb, Super Reverb I love, um, a 1970 Super Reverb. So that's that's kind of the arsenal. You're doing pretty good, I think. Yeah. Oh, and a Guild. <laughs> I have a Guild. I bought a Guild last year. A uh, Guild, uh, what kind of Guild? Uh, 66 T100D. Wow. Uh, yeah, original really owner with the uh, with a case uh, has the original uh, warranty paper and the original guild stamped uh, cloth to wipe the guitar down. Wow, that's cherry. You don't you don't get much better than that. Yeah, too bad it's not a Starfire, but it's fun. That's, yeah, it'll 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 do. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, think it'll be okay. I don't think anyone's feeling too sorry for you at this no, point. No, no, no. <laughs> That uh, that jazz master you you mentioned, I played, I only played it for about not yours, but uh, I only I played a sixty two a blonde sixty two jazz master, uh, I believe that's the year, um, 
when I was in Nashville at Grun Guitars, and that is one of the best guitars I've ever played in my life. So if your sixty three is anything like that, I can I can imagine. Um, it's I mean, it's a great guitar. Um, yeah. It's a great guitar. I mean, I love the way uh, I love the way the guitar looks. I love the way the guitar plays. I love the sound of the Jazzmaster. I love the vibrato, the the, the trem that's on the uh, on the Jazzmaster. Um, really, really versatile, universal, uh, versatile, uh, and universally usable guitars in, in, in many different types of music, uh, from many different types of sound. And I mean, I, Jaguars, Jazzmasters, I love that read, uh, lead rhythm switch. Um, mm-hmm. especially, you know, when you get uh, going into something that's fuzzy or driven, put it in the rhythm, get that ultra, extra woolly tone going. Um, yeah, great guitars. Absolutely great guitars. Mm-hmm very very cool is that one burst also uh yeah that's a burst so uh yeah all the offsets are, are burst so the jazz bass is a burst the jaguar is a burst the jazz master is a burst uh, they're burst the tellies it seems the, to be a little bit divisive would you consider yourself a more of a fan of the jaguar or the jazz master uh definitely jazz master definitely jazz master the the jaguar uh it's cool I don't know. I'm still on the fence as to whether or not, you know, that the, the, the short scale is for me or not, but definitely a cool guitar. There are some days where I play it and I absolutely love it. And there are some days where it's just, I don't know, not fun. <laughs> Rather play the jazz master. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't know. Lately I've been on a big uh, hollow body bender. So it's, uh, it's the Gibson's getting the workout. Well, you're, you're playing the West Montgomery tunes. Uh, no, I'm not there yet. No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the inspiration though right there that's, you that's go what I, I, I guess so i guess so no yeah. it's uh i don't know there's just something about the way you can control the feedback uh you know with overdrive and stuff like that it's it's fun I, I, do that, find, that. I do find them to be really fun i don't have uh any fully hollows in the or i only have one semi hollow or two semi hollows i guess I kind of forget that the Rick's semi hollow though sometimes. Oh, uh, which um, one do you have? The three thirty. I I got that the the three sixty. The three sixty, um, nice. Yeah, there was a local store closing and uh, they were blowing out their Rickenbackers. It was oh wow, it was crazy. It was crazy cheap. Like I I wasn't planning on buying it, but it was like I'm never going. I can't even get them used that price. Yeah. So, snatch. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you pick it up and you figure it out later. You know, if you don't like it, flip yeah, it. exactly. It's like it'll be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I mean, I haven't talked about this in a while, but I did on on some of the early episodes. I actually use the Rickenbacker what uh, more for like heavy music than I do for you know more what you would think of when you think of Rickenbacker. Um, it's I don't know if I if I feel like that's kind of weird, but I'll play like drop tune like stoner metal type riffs with that and that's what that guitar always makes me want to do i don't know why just seems uh seems right if it works and it sounds right why not i mean i I run fuzz with the 175 so yes (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic so you're uh i saw pictures of your les paul jr what's that i saw pictures of your les paul jr Oh yeah, that's my that's my number one. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I've talked about that ad nauseum too, but yeah, yeah the junior is a. Uh, was a I don't know, I don't know if you know that was my grandpa's 
So, yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. What was that? A fifty-five, fifty-six. Fifty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The P nineties from that from those years they sound so good. There's something about them. I they it's sound like, so good. Did they sound that good new, or has something to do with the magnet kind of degrading over time? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's so uh, that's that's the vintage magic. Mm-hmm. We may never know. Yeah. Or is it just the mojo? It could just be the mojo. It makes me think it sounds good. Yeah. Um, does um your older P90s? Do they? I have never measured this thing, but it seems pretty hot. Like hotter than a lot of the newer ones I've played. Um, is that seem to be what you've seen, or is it, or do I have a weird one? You know, I've never actually compared it. Um, yeah, I should compare it to the three hundred and thirty and see what's the, the only pro, the, the only thing is that the guitars are so different. Uh, one being a, a a full hollow versus the thin line versus your solid body. Um, and I, a lot of it also has to do as to how close the, the strings are to the pickup, especially with the P90s. Um, well, that's true. So, I mean, I remember yeah. I had a 1979 or 1980. It was this Les Paul special double cut that was a custom order for a guitar store in Montreal back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. A store called La Tosca. Uh, cool guitar, you know, bound top, flame maple, uh, a bound flame maple top with a cherry burst on it. Um, wow. It was a horrendous guitar. It was a horrendous guitar. But the bridge <laughs> P90 sounded incredible. The neck was mud. Hmm. And the finish on it wasn't stable. So, you know, you play the guitar, your hand would be red. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. It was terrible. It was a horrendous guitar. Brass nut, like totally 80s, 70s. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that happen on a guitar. Oh yeah, the finish. The, sometimes the nitro will just get soft. They'll just say no. I'm gone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm fleeing this guitar. Uh, it's too ugly or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, we're getting pretty close to the end, and I do need to ask you the uh, the classic tone mob question, which you may know is coming. I don't know. But, uh, Greg, what kind of pizza do you like? What kind of pizza do I like? Uh, It's important that we know this. Like, what kind of pizza? Like, toppings or pizza in general? Like, how deep are we going with this? Yeah, get get real specific. Yeah, the whole thing. Oof. All right, there's a few pizzas that have really stood out um, over my years uh, eating pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, like when somebody says pizza, the first thing that hits me would be Grimaldi's in New York. Um, okay. spectacular, spectacular pizza. The dough bubbles up a little bit of cheese here, a little bit of cheese there, but really the dough just bubbles up. You get those, those air pockets in the dough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can go for some now. Uh, so like yeah, Grimaldi's the you know New York brick oven pizza that is definitely up there. Um, pizza in Italy, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, when I went to Italy, that was uh, I mean, obviously good pizza. Um, but in terms of just like a, a regular takeout, uh, toppings would be pepperoni, mushroom, um, and you know, if, if I want to get special, throw in a little bit of bacon and some olives. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. 
You got a crust preference? You like a thin? You like a thick pan or what? Would you? Uh, you not go? pan. Uh, not thick. Not thin. Like for for reg- like we're talking not like brick oven or Italian style pizza. Yeah, just like a mm-hmm. a, a medium kind of dough. Uh, you want to have enough dough where you can taste the dough. If it's too thin, the balance is off with the toppings. If it's too thick, you just have this oily, crusty dough. Um, you're like kind of eating like a cheese bread as as opposed to pizza. <laughs> uh, no. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's that's kind and sesame seed on the crust. If they offer that option, uh, is delicious. Yeah, that is delicious. I don't see that as often as I would think. You know, yeah, it there's not a, few, a lot of places that do that here, but there, there's a few, and it's it's good. Right on, that's good. Well, that's the most important question that I had, so we can just we'll just edit it down to that section, and we'll call it an episode. Well, um, what you can do is like two different versions: the you know uh, abbreviated one where it just gets to that question, and then um, you know my long drawn responses throughout the rest. <laughs> right on, man. Well. Let's uh, do the final thing of the show. Uh, where can everybody find Solid Gold on the internet, website, social media, etc.? Where, where is that at? We are at www.solidgoldfx.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter, occasionally. And All now Solid on Gold FX. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Greg. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. And uh, I'm glad we were finally able to get this thing in the can. Absolutely. It was a blast, Blake. All right, everybody. For Greg, this is Blake. And as always, good luck and good tones. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. You know, there are a lot of other podcasts or other sorts of entertainment that you could be indulging in right now. But the fact that you're listening to this one, well, that means a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And if you can't get enough gear and other kinds of talk and conversation, don't forget about the Facebook group. If you search The Tone Mob on Facebook, you will see the group. And go ahead and join. I'll get you approved and get you in there. And you can start talking with all the people who are much more intelligent than myself, which is uh, pretty much everybody who's in there. So search on Facebook, The Tone Mob, join the group, come hang out. We'd love to have you in there. And until next week, have a good one. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. 
Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.